They always come back. I was uh, dealing with an old architect up in Ossining, and something had happened in 1910. He's long dead. Something had happened in 1910 that was bewitching and unbelievable, and he was 87 years old, and it's all he could think about. Now, the third uh, ver word is expiation. Now, I don't want to talk about expiation tonight so much because I'm not, at this moment in my life, <clears throat> I feel expiated. Uh, I, I'm not, I'm like, uh, I'm like Bob Dylan in that song, you know, I, I've, I've said I'm sorry, I don't need to hear it again. Uh, and, and now, but that's not true, that may not be true of you. I said to Mary, I'm not going to har harp on expiation. And she said, but you don't understand, Paul. When you actually need it, your need for it overwhelms everything else. <laughs> Thanks, Mary. Uh, <laughs> um, but what she was saying so powerfully is that expiation, which is the one full, perfect, and sufficient sacrifice, satisfaction, and oblation for the sins of the whole world, to quote the old prayer book, is absolutely needful. You may be in a different place at this moment with that. You may need it more. Uh, but I, I feel I'm like Dylan, I, 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 that, that is something that I count on, but I'm not, it's not at the front of my consciousness. Um, the last uh, word, and then um, we're finished, is pilgrimage, pilgrimage. And I want to um, talk about that for just a minute. Um, you and I, are, 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 our lives are a pilgrimage to God. That's all they are. And that usually most typically involves romantic and filial love. Romantic and filial love are the key areas of life's developments. Everything else is a shadow of what's significant. It's basically a time waster. It, it is. I mean, I'm speaking of someone who, who loved my career, but I, I barely think about it. I mean, I think about you, but I don't think about the, 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 the failed desire to... Um, I was at an interview when I was 19, and they said, what do you want to do in life? And I said, well, maybe I'll end up becoming an Episcopal bishop. Uh, I not only lost the job, the loss, but, but imagine thinking that way. And of course, whenever you think that way, what always happens? You never get it. The moment you stop thinking that way, they want Jim Monroe to become the Archbishop of Canterbury. <coughs> but, but we are on a on a pilgrimage, uh, and this is why uh, Jacob Smith is so powerfully with uh, Sarah Beth Turner and the family of Molina and all that. The uh, St. John de Compostela pilgrimage is a picture of life, and we are on a pilgrimage. And um, what I want to say is that um, pilgrimage is something that, uh, at my little phase of life, is enormously um, uh, a powerful uh, picture because. Um, you reach a certain stage when you say, what do I have to do now? I mean, what is there? You know, you, you, have, you, you can't hear, hearing aids. You can't see, two different pairs of glasses. You have prostate problems. You have heart problems that make you, I mean, I get calls now from the, from the opt-online prescription company every week. Why haven't you uh, renewed your prescriptions? And I have enough prescriptions in my little uh, bathroom to feed everyone here for three weeks on heart medication. I mean, but th 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 what a ridiculous life. Uh, th that much medication, this, th I'm, but you're the same. I mean, n nobody here is any different from that. How can life be, um, a, uh, how can life be a pilgrimage to use, a pilgrimage to use um, 
Chaucer's phrase, and this is where I want to finish. I want to um, make a quote, and then I want to uh, talk about an illustration, and then I'm done. Um, pilgrimage at the age that one finds oneself is not about a reset. A reset is when you try to continue to fix the course you were on, but basically to continue it, albeit fixed. Pilgrimage, when you get to what I would call the, the last third of life, is not about reset, because you detach from those things that you were pilgrimage, a pilgrim of most of the time, and you realize that they're relatively emotionally uh, lacking in power over you and meaning. A pilgrimage is about a restart. Pilgrimage is a restart. And um, what T.S. Eliot said, um, do you remember this? He said it in Burnt Norton. I believe that's where he said it. He said, old men ought to be explorers. It's one of the most um, um, heuristically um, important things he ever said. Eliot said in inspiration, old men ought to be explorers. Now, how is it possible at a later point in life, um, stay where you are, by the way, don't rush it. Um, how is it possible to be an explorer? Well, what happens, I think, from a Christian religious angle is you actually do start to detach. You're not that interested. Th political things, I remember someone once said, uh, he, he said, I don't want to die. He was 85. I said, why don't you want to die? He said, I want to hear what, whether McGovern will win. I mean, he really did think that. And I wanted to say, wow, you know, I hope he does, <laughs> you know, for your sake. But what was interesting about it, you, you, you get to a point, in fact, he was out of touch. He, he was not gonna die a good death. Because you get to a point when you don't really care if McGovern wins or anybody wins. You may say, how can you not care? I don't care what you say, you don't care. Because it's not that important. I wanna have a Diet Coke. I don't really care who wins the election. Now you may say, how can you be so indifferent? I don't know, I wish I weren't. <laughs> but it's instead of, but what happens is when you withdraw an emotional investment in many of the things, including people, that you have placed this investment in, you're, um, you're, uh, you're free not to reset, uh, but to restart. And whatever you do after you've withdrawn the investment in maybe 85% of the things that you matter to you, and that's really true. Um, there's a wonderful play, you may have uh, heard about it, about a dying uh, female professor at the University of Oxford, and she has been a, uh, a total, absolute um, authority on the works of Virginia Woolf. She is the world's leading authority and her former best student comes to visit her in the hospice under hospice care and the student thinks that she will be pleased to hear a little bit of talk about Virginia Woolf and the dying professor says one rule miss I don't want to hear anything about Virginia Woolf. I actively don't care it's very shocking when she says to her student, I actively don't care about Virginia Woolf. Now you and I know that Virginia Woolf's very interesting, but in the play, her interest in Virginia Woolf, she needs something much better and important. And what I wanna say to you as you think about your life at a certain point, I'm just talking about me, is that you'll find that you can in fact 
be fascinated and interested in new elements, but they will, in fact, probably, if they're holy, be almost entirely different than what you were in before. And my concluding illustration is of the rockabilly surfer science fiction instrumental rock group known as Los Straightjackets. Now, Los Straightjackets, about whom I've recently done a podcast, I can't tell you how much feedback I'm getting. I'm getting letters from all over the world, people saying, I can't believe I'm just, my whole life is coming apart listening to Los Straightjackets. Literally, literally. And what Los Straightjackets do, I won't give you TMI, they're a Nashville-based rock group who are really at the end of their career who have been covering classic rock songs with a surfing uh, gestalt or format, a little bit of sci-fi thrown in, and an incredible rockabilly guitar sound. And they still are on tour, and they now accompany a rock artist named Nick Lowe, who's a wonderful... You're so good, Joey. You know these things. Um, and... Um, what happens, the straitjackets are very, very interesting, and this is, I, I finish with them, because starting when they first were recording in the early 70s, and I've seen them several times in, in uh, they wear Mexican wrestling masks. There are four of them. They never show their faces or say their names. They've been performing now for 35 years, and they cover songs like My Heart Will Go On. Are you kidding me? Remember how Celine Dion was feted in the fashion world? You never knew whether she was coming towards you or going away from you. Um, the um, low straight jackets um, have an, a, a, an inspired approach to their music. And I play excerpts. And the, what they do is they play a song, let's say Telstar, or My Heart Will Go On, or um, uh, The Munsters theme. And they'll play it, and they'll play the first verse, all instrumental guitar with a slightly rock bill. Then there's the refrain. Then they play the second verse. And the second verse is a little bit more interesting guitar work. And it's very popular music. And then they'll do the second refrain. And then in the third verse, they go into the stratosphere. They go wild, invariably, in the third or the fourth verse. Now, you and I know that the sign of a good single Beatles, all of the singles, you'd have the first verse, a refrain or bridge, and then you'd have an instrumental solo, right? Clapton, I mean, anybody, the monkeys, anybody you want to name. The instrumental solo, which was really cool. And then they'd close with the third verse. Los Straitjackets, somehow, with an inspiration that is providential, have turned that around. So go home and look up on YouTube their version of Feliz Navidad. Or Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. You listen to it and you say, this is so childish. This is ridiculous. I feel like I'm in the 1950s television show. And suddenly, after uh, three verses, they, they go into the stratosphere. Uh, you'll, you'll hear it immediately. Anybody hear, hear, know what I'm talking about? You've heard it. And, or listen to um, I Live on a Battlefield, which is an incredible song by Nick Lowe. And it's, oh, no, no, yeah, I've heard that, I've heard that. And suddenly, pow, and the, the guitar blows off the roof, and you're, you're literally on the, on, on the Venus. You're on Jupiter. And what they have taught me is that um, this life is basically the first two verses of the Munsters theme, which is really dumb. It's really pathetic, actually. But the third verse, once they've done their job by the Munsters theme, you'll hear it. The lead guitarist is sublime. 
he takes the Munsters theme and makes it into Gone with the Wind. I'm not exaggerating. So to bring this to a conclusion, and thank you for uh, waiting uh, to listen this out, um, the soul is who you really are. And it's really the only part of you that I want to know. But fortunately, at Mockingbird, we actually do get to meet people's souls. It doesn't happen in every encounter, but there is definitely some intercourse between the souls of the people with whom we are spending time. Secondly, the curse, comfort yourselves, that the curse is not just about individual or corporate sin. It's not about Indian reservations, nor is it about adultery that happened. It is about the tragedy of, of, of paralysis and unfulfilled hopes that cast a shadow. And that curse is universal and needs to be dealt with by God, which he does in expiation. And finally, um, consider yourself now on a pilgrimage, but um, make sure that when the time comes and you begin to get a little bit more detached and less interested in, lay, say, diet, or losing weight, or the clothes you're wearing, or the job you have. Realize that a fresh start is the inspiration of God, and pilgrimage is still possible, even for an 80-year-old, let alone a 50-year-old. Thank you for listening, and I'm most grateful. <laughs>